0: In the evening, crave the feeling, the way you feel, something about I'm praying we don't fuck this up. Uh-huh. Welcome to another episode of Adulting with Wine. I'm your host Sasha. Um, so it's still Black History Month. Um, so of course it's still Black Business Month, and this episode I wanted to do a little bit, something a little bit different. Um, as you know, Valentine's Day is in a couple days, but also one of the most like some of the most popular episodes on adulting with white Surrounded around relationships. And I just wanted to have something more positive outside of our regular banter about why um, women hate men or why <laughs> they hate Women all that other stuff. So I have a couple on the podcast today. And as I was telling them before we started recording, I feel like they have businesses um there'll
1: probably be five more by
0: next month by the time um we get off
1: the spot they'll be releasing some more we'll find out what else they got but that's have- a fact <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a cheese so, so yeah uh so I'll go first uh yeah I'm Keon Russell uh also go under the name Chef Prosper guy I'm like a celebrity private chef in New York City um, yeah, and also me and Amarachi, we have a business together called Dem Cookies Bake Shop. Mm-hmm. It's a virtual bakery, but we deliver handmade cookies um, all over the nation.
2: Yes, yes. So, um, yeah. So that's our joint business venture. My name is Amarachi. I'm the owner of Niger Butters, and it's a vegan luxury skincare brand. Um, we specialize in advanced formulations for face products. We use active ingredients, botanical extracts, humectant. So we use a lot of like, um, you know, high quality ingredients. And the goal is to combine the best parts of nature with the best parts of science to create skincare with really effective results. And me and Karen also have our joint business together, Dem Cookies, um, where we sell, you um, artisanal cookies with like classic nostalgia flavors. Um so yeah that's like that's pretty much it. I'm gonna holding back okay because she also I'm she's sick
0: okay she's sick <laughs> she's sick she's thick out there so she also has fitness guides on her separate yeah. her.
2: So go ahead look it up find out about that's it. You too. I do have a fitness page and um I have a workout workout plans that I sell on Amarachi thick and the goal is to just help um women help to build muscle endurance and to just you know get the best body um, that you can so that is uh, another business that I do another like passion of mine as well right so I just have to like plug you out there because you're
0: not here like, to
2: <laughs> over that like you don't do that's that. true I do have like a lot of different things I dabble. <laughs>
0: Um, and if you follow Kihon at all, he will let you know that she also <laughs> that he will let you know this, how you get this body, and that's what right, we're doing. So definitely. Let's dial back a little bit. Tell me how you guys met, how and
1: when. Uh, okay, I'll I'll go because I feel like I tell this story all the time. So I I met her while I was eating chicken and waffles, and I was on Tinder. And, um, yeah, and I saw her, and I was, you know, I was, like, one of those situations where I wasn't really paying attention on Tinder, and there weren't a lot of black girls. So anytime I saw a black girl, I was very much, like, I took my time. But, uh, yeah, I just saw her. She was really, really pretty, and I thought she was a catfish. So very I took loud. a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, so I took a lot of time to <laughs> to try to uh, get in contact with her and, like, finally see her. And uh, the first thing that I said to her, is I offered to bring her food, even though I lived like a far, far away.
2: Yeah, that that pretty much set the tone for our relationship. <laughs> Was that uh, him bringing me food? That, that's that's lovely.
0: <laughs> it truly really is. And one thing I want to say is just like I feel like it's not presented that men should like be cookers, or it's all also- mm-hmm. said so that you know women should cook and all this other stuff. I generally feel like cooking. Is a life skill. So it is. Course, mm-hmm. I, I say this all the time. Like the man that I marry has to be able to cook. Because if I have kids with you, what is my baby gonna eat if I leave? Exactly. You?
2: Exactly. Hundred percent. Yeah, that's a basic life skill. Like,
0: like you're not gonna have my kid out here eating soup <laughs> all the time. Like
2: that's not. Exactly. A- yeah, everyone <laughs> should know how to cook. Like, point exactly. blank. Yeah.
0: You're not gonna tell me that you just make Kraft mac and cheese for yourself. Exactly. Not it. So, you guys met
1: on Tinder, and when was it? it?
0: Yeah, like when when
1: it. Uh, so it was probably like I think it was about like two years ago, a little bit over two years ago. I think like 2017, 2018. I think it was like a little bit. It was a little bit after Halloween, I think.
2: That's when we like met on Tinder and then yeah. our first date was in January in 2018. That's when we
1: and I took her to the Cheesecake Factory.
2: Yes, Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good choice. That's where I told him I wanted to go. And he was like, Okay, then I'ma get everything ready so we could go. So we talked for like from like Halloween time to like January, and then we finally arranged to meet. So we talked for like three months or so. It was kind of a long time. Yeah. Then, um, like in that time, like we got to know each other well, but we never, you know, physically saw each other. So when it came time to meet, like we were both really nervous, you know, cause it's like, you've been talking to someone for three months, like, <laughs> you know, you yeah. don't know what the chemistry is going to be like when you see them. So, like, we even have talked about, like, before the date, we both wanted to, like, back out because we were nervous. And, um, you know, we just said, hey, we're going to go and see how it is. And I would say, like, we pretty, like, the first date, we spent, like, nine hours together just, like, hanging out. Like,
0: and yeah. I was like
2: you know, what, it's pretty cool. Like, <laughs> yeah, right.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
2: Yeah, I'm like, you know what, I don't, because I I used to, like, when I would go on dates, like, I would be, like, out the door, like, I couldn't get out fast enough, so even he was, like, oh, like, the fact that you stayed, and, like, we were spending, like, hours and hours together, like, I could tell that you were feeling me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, definitely, I mean, yeah, it was definitely the longest uh, date that I had ever been on, for sure, Mm -hmm. and also, like, the most, uh, you know, like, we went to, we did everything. That we could in that like plaza, we went to like Dave and Buster's, went to Cheesecake Factory. Uh, We also drank a lot of wine and a lot of alcohol that day. So overall, it was just like such a like a good time, and uh, we learned a lot about each other. And like also, you could see like through the whole entire date, like how we were like opening up to each other. Because very much at the beginning, uh, I was trying to play it cool because like I was like super nervous. and, like, as the date went on further, like, we started to be, uh, you know, a little bit more, like, intimate. Right. So,
0: you guys didn't meet until, like, three months after you guys met on Yeah. Date. So, you guys did, like, video chat, FaceTime, nothing?
1: Yo, yeah. So, like, so we talked to like, a little bit. <laughs> and I was, like, all right. Like, because first of all, what happened is, like, she kept trying to ignore me on Tinder. Okay. Yeah. And uh, she kept trying to ignore me, so I knew I had to, like, get her number before she would, like, you know, deactivate or, like, decide never to look on there ever again. So we talked for a little bit, and then one day I decided to randomly FaceTime her, because I was like, you know, i got to catch the catfish when they're not ready. So, <laughs> okay. so, I, so, I, so I FaceTimed her, and then it was actually her, and then we spoke for, like, a long time. And then it was kind of like, uh, like periodically, like pretty much like daily, we would like FaceTime or at least talk on the phone. And uh, yeah, so I'd say we FaceTimed like around, yeah, around like, probably like a few weeks after, probably closer to like Thanksgiving, that's probably when we FaceTimed. And uh, from that moment on, it was like, uh, you know, just like a normal conversation about like work and staying up late and having to go to like shitty jobs. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Like, I feel like the beginning of the relationship, you have so much energy to stay up. It's just like and then get up for work the next day. I don't know what that is about. That's true. Like, listen, you can get off the phone at four a.m. and still get up at seven. Like, what is that about? Yeah. I can that
1: was I, <laughs> I didn't I didn't know how she did it. Like I I didn't I didn't know how she did it because I was like, uh I don't know if I'm that cute to stay up that late for what? like <laughs> I feel like that's, that's a long time to get two hours of sleep. Without.
2: Yeah, that that was the life like when we first met. I like worked at a gym when we first met. And yeah, like I would literally have to go to work at 6 a.m. and it'd be like 3. He's like, when do you have work? I was like, at 6. He's like, you should go to bed. Like, yeah. like, What are you doing? At this point, she shouldn't go to bed because it's a waste of time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> really?
1: Honestly, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. So did you have like I want to know like did you guys like already have separate businesses before you guys started like officially dating or is that something that like, you guys had like productive conversations about and were like you know, so you really don't want to do like this corporate life let's start
1: right the so um so like I, I was like I had just uh, like decided to like leave like the corner Institute of America. And I was like deciding like what I was gonna do, and I knew that I wanted to do my own thing, like the same thing with her, is. Uh, but it was kind of like we were at that stage where we were like kind of like I guess afraid to jump. Like it was always like uh, we were thinking about it, we were talking about how cool it would be, like aspiring to do it, but we were very much like we weren't sure how to do it or when to do it. So um, I think in the beginning, it was kind of like the budding stages of us like creating the plan and creating our first preliminary businesses so I'd say like the businesses started probably I would say like maybe like eight, eight months after that probably um as far as like when we f- legitimately started to like make stuff and legitimately started to put ourselves out there and like actively mm-hmm. set aside time to do these things because I think for both of us we were like I don't want to go this tired-ass job anymore you know what I'm saying you know we were just like do you see all these people making money and you just see yeah you're working with miserable people. So you're just like, I'm not gonna end up like one of these people. So um, I'd say Amarachi is definitely like, I wanted to do it, but I think I was more afraid to take the leap because I think uh, Amarachi's like entrepreneurial like style or entrepreneurial like gift definitely set the tone for like us having our own thing because she was so adamant on having her own skincare business. You know, whereas I was thinking like, oh, maybe I could find like, a chef to work under and maybe they could like take me out of the wing instead of thinking like making my own like thing, you know, like I was trying to find this person that was doing exactly what I wanted to do in my mind, Mm -hmm. but it was no one doing it. So I had to create that. I had to create the position of the job that I wanted. And that's kind of how like it started. So I'd say it started like probably like seven, eight months after like we had met.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's like when we, I feel like us coming together and like, getting together was also like something that kind of act like as a catalyst for us both to just like take the leap and just like officially like start the business that we had talked about um because it's like yeah like we both had the idea of what we wanted to do and like what we want to have our business be like but you know just never feeling like you're 100% ready and then you know you realize like there's never going to be a perfect time you just kind of have to take a leap and then go from there you know
0: yeah I feel that so whose business who was the first like to take the leap? I know
1: like I'm feeling like it might have been Amarachi but I'm not sure so whose business was first uh, I'd say probably Amarachi's because I because I think her started and then I moved um like she was doing her business like she was the first person to ever like sell her services and like like begin to actually actively work on it and that's decide what she was going to do I think for me um, I, it took more of it was kind of delayed because I was very much like, I wasn't sure what I was going to do, but I knew, um, then I knew that I needed to get to the city. I knew that I needed to leave, like I live, I used to live like upstate. So I knew I needed to go to the city to do have these opportunities. So I think she was the first person to, to start her business for sure. Okay,
2: so Amarachi Mm you have um your skincare
0: line so tell us a little bit more about that and how that like came to fruition
2: okay so with my skincare line um niger butters so i started it back in june of 2018 and um so the name comes from i'm nigerian so it's kind of like a nod to my culture my background and i feel like like being nigerian um has played a lot into like the ingredients and just like literally like the names of my products, like the whole background of my products, everything, you know, like goes back to Nigeria. So that's how I came up with the name. And so it kind of just started from me, like making products, like just for myself at home. Like I had always been somebody who was into like DIY stuff, like make your own body butter, make your own oils. And so, you know, it just started out just like playing around in the kitchen and kind of like playing around with what stuff I wanted to make. And even like when me and Keon had met, like I like, I think one of our dates, like I brought him like a body butter that I had made, like one of my first ones and, um, you know, started from that. And so that, that was the summertime when I started it. And I was really into like glitter stuff, glitter body butters, glitter oils. So literally it started with one product. Which is my Goddess Glow Butter, and that's a glitter like 24 karat gold body butter. So I literally started on Etsy, and that was literally the only product I sold for like that whole summer. Like I don't think I added anything until like the fall, and um, yeah, I just I just started making stuff and kind of just like um, you know even Keon was like you know you could sell this stuff like you could just put it on Etsy and see like how it goes. And so that's literally how it started. Like I um, was working at my house, like didn't have a job at the time. And I was just working on making body butters. And like, I literally, like I would wake up, make a couple orders, go to the post office, do it again the next day. And so, you know, it started out as like, oh, I just want to be like the glitter person. Like I want to be the person that has glitter products. And, you know, it's kind of expanded like exponentially from there because you know started out with one product, and then slowly I started to evolve more into body care products and um, facial products, and so um, the brand has definitely developed a lot like from 2018, like completely like did a whole transformation. And so the way the brand is now, it is a luxury skincare brand, and it's cruelty-free and vegan. And the products are geared towards black skin tones. It's geared towards, you know, things that are um, issues that we would face, like um, hyperpigmentation, um, acne, dry skin, wrinkles, things like that. So you know, I have learned so much about formulating. So the Faceline has been like a year in the making. So it's taken me a year to formulate the products, to test them and just get them to where I wanted. And yeah, so now it's definitely evolved. Um, It's like a full comprehensive brand. And I think one of the things that makes it different from other brands, especially with the face products is that they're fragrance-free but they actually smell really good. And they smell really good because we use things like rose water, cucumber water, plant extracts. So we use the natural sense of nature to scent the products. So that way they're non-toxic to the skin, they're non-irritating um, to sensitive skin. So it was kind of a brand that was made in mind with a lot of different um, concerns that people have with skincare brands. and. You know, one of the one of the things that really pushed me to open, to start a skincare business was I would see like a lot of brands that I liked and I would see that over time they would kind of like sell out. Like they would start out, you know, big on ownership and like being a black business. And then, you know, over time, like they would get bought out. And for me, I feel like ownership is such a big thing. You know, like for me, I, I think that having a black business is, you know, more than just for yourself, but also for, like, creating a legacy and creating ownership, and so I feel, I realized that if I want a business that's not going to sell out, and that's going to be um, big on ownership, the only way to do that was to start my own, you know?
0: Yeah, I like that for sure, and I just want to ask, like, when you created and formulated, like, your skincare line, was it based off, of, like, any skincare, like, skin issues that you had yourself, or what does anybody have, or was it just, like, Okay, like I want to do skincare as well because
2: like I want to use it on my face. <laughs> uh yeah, for sure. So I had actually struggled with like some acne, a lot of like dryness and dehydration in my skin. So it was definitely made within mine for dry sensitive skin types and acne skin types, cause those were the issues that I really had dealt had dealt with over the years and just like, you know, also just unlike creating products that are multi-purpose and products that are easy to use. Like part of the thing with the line is creating products that are super easy to use, various skin types can use them and they like really work. So definitely like from struggling with like acne and like really dry skin helped me to figure out how to make products that work for that, like long lasting moisture, glow, all that, you know?
0: Yeah, um, one of the things I appreciate, like especially with Black-owned skincare lines is that a lot of the times with other lines, even like the Black-owned businesses that sold out is just like, there's too many chemicals in skincare products. And it's just like, for me personally, I don't know if anybody else has experienced this, for me, I can't use anything with too chemical many chemicals on my skin mm-hmm. or rest. Like, it'll start to work, and then, like, I'll break out. Like, yeah. like, all over. So I like to, um, I prefer to, like, buy oils and stuff from, like, a Black home business <laughs> because I know, like, everything in it I can read. So yeah. <laughs> that's, like, the problem. If I can't read it, I probably can't use it on my skin because it's going to make me because mm-hmm. I don't know what it's in it. So I definitely love that, and, um... I was supposed to buy one of Amarachi's um, glow uh, oils, but I wasn't going on vacation. And, I, and <laughs> I had the purpose for it. So when I go yeah. on you know, vacation, I want her glow oils because it makes her skin look good. So I know I'm gonna look I'm going to look, hot. Like, mentally, yeah, look, look hot. fabulous. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you started um, Niger Butters, and then Kihon um, has a food, like pickup, delivery service type thing, like where you cur- curate a menu, I, I guess, I want to say weekly. So how did
1: you? Yeah. So like, um, like primarily what I do is I do like private dinners. So like, I'm a, like a private chef. So primarily I do like, um, like small, intimate private dinners. I also do like meal prep and also do like in-home services. So like I'll come to your house and cook all your meals for you. You have me for a full eight hours, but, um, but yeah, what exactly was the meal prep delivery that I did. Uh, during the pandemic and also did for like a couple clients where you tell me what your dietary needs are and then I formulate a meal plan that fits your um fits your diet any restrictions you have um and I deliver it to you so that you don't have to worry about anything as far as cooking all you have to do is heat up the food and eat it and I created that in mind because uh like prior to like my life I just like didn't know what I wanted to do so like I went through the whole Rolodex of like Wanted to do random stuff like be a personal trainer so that I could do bodybuilding. And I realized that, like, the food aspect of it I was interested in. But the food that, like, comes in milk companies was always so bad. It was never good. And, you know, that was a void that I felt like I could fill because I felt like people wanted to eat things that they normally eat, just like a healthier version of it and like being Caribbean I was like I wanted to create like more Caribbean healthier Caribbean food for people and that was the biggest thing that like uh set me apart and also like pushed me in that direction because uh the medical companies they were just giving people just like gray meat or just grilled chicken and how many days can you eat that like straight
0: you know what i'm saying can i have grilled chicken like how many (laughs) days
1: (laughs) exactly so so yeah so i just so i just wanted to like i wanted to make food that i wanted to eat for people you know that was the biggest thing um so yeah so that's pretty much like how my business started and uh, i decided to move to new york city i decided to move to brooklyn and uh like cook for like different celebrities there and like really I guess dive headfirst into the New York food scene and also into the entrepreneurial lifestyle of like branding myself in like such a big food city and state. Um, and that like really catapulted like and pushed me to what I do now to where like I'm solely just like a private chef, to so, like and that's pretty much what I do and ironically like the niche market that i have is young black creatives entrepreneurs and podcasters so i cooked for like a lot of podcasters a lot of young entrepreneurs in new york city so that's pretty much like the niche market for what prosper kitchen does and uh ironically like we just got i just got like certified as a business so the llc like this this uh this past summer so like you know so it's always exciting um because like yeah just like i'm actually like uh, you know now, like I'm, a, I'm also a business owner, um, like a legal business owner, and uh, I didn't know how expensive it was gonna be. That's what I didn't know. No. That's why I was like, no wonder people don't be signing up for this. <laughs> <Okay. So> how,
0: <laughs> how did you get your um your LLC? Was it like through LegalZoom, or did you do it like a legal So I did. I did
1: mine through Zen Business. Zen Business is uh relatively inexpensive. You pretty much are really just paying like the legal, the regular fees. Um, I looked. I, believe me, I looked at all of them to see which one was the cheapest. <laughs> um, I
0: that's because um recently because I'm trying to like plot my next steps and I also want yeah. a different business as well. and yeah. um, So I started looking into black lawyers, and a lot of them offer it for kind of way cheaper than I saw, like a legal. Team, I don't know about some mm-hmm. but it was like mm-hmm. four hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah
1: yeah i mean if they're gonna take care of everything i would say do it because like i would say do it because like i think uh zen business i think it ran me about like like 250 and like um just just like make sure that you know uh like what stuff that you can do for free like so they don't try to like charge your premium for it mm-hmm. um and just like uh just make sure you know what your money's going to because like the this filling out the business in the paper is a little bit difficult but also like make sure they make sure like uh they set your llc up for it to be actually running and valid, and that's the biggest thing but yeah but yeah man what i wish when i signed up for it i knew uh, a lawyer that could help me out <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> into like LLCs and stuff the only business that would help you figure it out like the whole process was LegalZoom but literally they would charge you like 800 to exactly $2,000 That's $2,000. Expensive. I think it's ridiculous so later, Exactly. or I think randomly like this lawyer followed me it's, I guess like with posting all of like this black business stuff like he's right. To black mm-hmm. businesses to you so, right let me go ahead and follow let me like. <laughs> go ahead and follow That's
1: yeah come back to that yeah <laughs> yeah yeah no definitely
0: i'll set you up for success for that so that's a tip like if you're looking into getting like certifying your business as an llc or even S corp, whatever you want to do um look into to black lawyers well that is if you're a black person less if you're a white business because you probably have to do it any way you want anyway so <laughs> it doesn't matter but back to prosper kitchen so yeah that you started off like doing private dinners so like how did you kind of like facilitate that or start that going like what was your vision for it and how did you make that come to life
1: uh so really I just wanted to cook people that like so really it started with like podcasting so like um I felt like podcasting was a a new medium that like uh was kind of like very much budding and a lot of like a lot of my favorite people were getting into and I saw I met so many people that were just regular people like me that had were sharing similar experiences or had very interesting dialogue. So uh, I went to like a podcast seminar where one of my favorite podcasters, her name is Wheezy WTF. She runs the Horrible Decisions podcast. And uh, that's where it stemmed from, where I ran up to her and I said, uh, yo, like Wheezy, like I want to cook for you. And one thing that I've learned with people with food is that they're never going to say no. Never, absolutely but the never gonna say no so uh so yeah so that was the first one I cooked for and she had a very big platform at the time so I hadn't moved to New York City yet so I was traveling like two hours to bring her food and um you know because for me I was just excited to even be around these people that I listen to daily and that's where it stemmed from I did that podcast and then stemmed to other podcasts and then it got me more of my clients so I'd say Podcasting is how I marketed it, and that's also the niche market of who I wanted to cook for. I felt like the young entrepreneurs and young creatives uh, were being left out, and also they weren't being accounted for. And there was so many that I was meeting that had so much talent, and um, I didn't want them to feel like I did when I first started, where I didn't see anyone Black in in the space. You know, like I didn't know any Black chefs. You know, I had to seek them out, and it was—it seemed so difficult. Like everybody, mama cook. Everybody knows somebody that could cook. Everybody, grandmother could. But like, who do you know that like legitimately is like like cooks for a living? You know what I'm saying? And that was the biggest thing. Is I, I felt like because I was a regular person, and I could relate to these people, that um, I didn't have to be stuck in a restaurant making food for people that will never see me. So that's pretty much how Prosper Kitchen uh grew and uh yeah and it's like really led me in like cool places and i've gotten to do like a lot of cool stuff with it and uh it's it's kind of like i'm Rachi. it's like it's like my baby and it's definitely like something that like uh i put a lot of pride into because uh i didn't i didn't have any reference i didn't know how to start this i didn't know where to go i didn't know how to do what i was doing the right you know and the hardest thing about starting your own business is like being confident that you have it. Yeah. You know, I think that's the biggest thing. I think a lot of the times, you know, you want to, you want it to be like perfect before you present it to the world. You want to, or you want to be an expert in it. And I think a lot of us go through that where it's like, you know, like you have this business, like, but you don't know why they know about it until it's ready. So that was the biggest thing I had to like be strong in the fact of like that, yes, like I was a chef. Although I maybe didn't feel like I had as much experience as I thought a chef needed, but it's, like, I went to school for it, I wear chef coat everywhere, I cook, like, how am I, like, like, what else am I, so it's, like, exactly. so, um yeah, so that was, like, the, the biggest thing that, like, I just really dove into, is, like, being confident, and then also, like, figuring out what my worth is, and the first meal I ever did was for, like, was sort of, like, I think I did like four meals for like forty dollars, and I was traveling like two hours. But it was like, yeah, it's like in my head. It was it made it was like I was like I'll do whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's like now, you know, like a service like that, is, it's gonna cost you a grip, you know what I'm saying? But it's like okay. it took time, and it, and you know, and you know, I did all I did all the wrong things. Gave away free food and expected people to pay. You know what I'm saying? I did everything. I traveled all over the every borough to uh, offer people food, cooked for free, did cooking. So I sense, like, did so many things wrong, but also so many things right. And it led me to this place of where, like, where I'm able to charge for things. And that's what people know me for. Because I think that was the biggest thing when starting the business is uh, who was I? Like, what did I want people to know me for? Mm-hmm. Like, other than just being, like, another kid another dude like what was i known for and that's been the coolest thing is like being recognized in such a big city for like what i do that was probably the coolest thing yeah um
0: that's something i definitely struggle with too starting a podcast blog whatever
1: um exactly yeah
0: so like I think one of the main things that I struggle with is just like, why would anybody want to listen to me? Which is like similar to what you're saying, like why would someone yeah. buy food like a dinner for me, like when they can go <laughs> like,
1: exactly.
0: Like the um, and the other thing is like with me starting um, something that was black owned, and I was primarily going to be talking about black topics and things that happened to <laughs> black people. But... I almost had to fight with myself of like why, like, I had to give myself permission to kind of talk about these things so unapologetically. And I think that one of the things that kind of helped me was being in a position to see, like, uh, other people who were working for themselves and were Black. So one of my, like, first jobs was, like, co-working. And, like, the last co-working space I worked at, um, I saw, I ran into a lot of people who did a lot of different things, where they worked for themselves, or uh, they worked like a larger business, but where they were able to work closer to home, whatever it was. But I ran into like a lot of like black professional, like not professional necessarily, but black mm-hmm. people doing I met a black life coach. And mm-hmm. particularly the person who inspired me was like this guy. He was he was like a dean for a uh, high school and um But on the side, he was also like, while he used a corking space, he was also a, um, he ran a blog called A Power. And um, basically I consulted with him about it naturally, because it was just like, I was like, what do I do about it? And he doesn't necessarily talk about like black things, but he started the blog for his students because he was just like, I want them to see our face attached to positive things. So right. right a lot of like motivation manifesting that type of thing on his blog so he was saying when i mentioned him I was like how do i own like this being like, a black thing like being like, what i want it to be and be okay with it he was kind of like well people say like my friends say or people in general just say like everyday power is like a black thing like it's like the black blog mind you he's not marketing it as a black blog but just right. the pictures on each of the posts have black people that are happy and smiling now. it's they're black, but, so he was right. like, I don't mind it, it's whatever it's exactly what I'm looking for, anyhow. So, whatever it is. So, all that to say, be proud of who you are, exactly. Like <laughs> I'm always preaching in the middle of the goddamn podcast.
2: But whoever
0: needed to hear that, I just, I just, I just preached to you, whoever was listening. To
2: that. Um, exactly. But yeah,
0: so. I appreciate that, and, like, I feel like that's
1: something that some people struggle with the most, is, like, why would somebody want to do, get by this? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, it's just one of those things where it's just, like, if not me, who? You know what I'm saying? Like, like, why not? You know what I'm saying? It's, like, because the reality is, like, me and I want you to sit and talk all day and break down you know, all the chop contestants and all these people, oh, look at this person making this, I can make this, I could do this, but like here we are not doing it. You know what I'm saying? So it's like it's like if these people, if you see people out here, like I remember there was so many moments where I was like, what am I doing? Like like why am I listening to people who have let like other people decide what they're capable of doing? You know, because like before I left school, I ran around asking all the teachers, all the chefs, yo, this is what I want to do. What should I do? And they're just like, ah, like, I don't know if that's possible. You should work. You should do this. You should do that. And, you know, and it never sat right with me because I also felt like in the field that I am, um, there's no upward mobility for like black chefs, like, let alone black people that cook. You know, the only black restaurants you can think of are what? A Jamaican spot, a soul food spot, but who do you know? Once again, that, like that's an actual cook, and that like has a like that like you seeing at the highest level. I guess working with celebrities or working with like people that are like prominent, and that was one thing I wanted to do. And also for me, I just wanted to get get people on uh, an avenue as far as like black men to like let's say, because as like being a former like athlete. I just really want people to like, to get a skill that was helpful. And I, didn't, you know, I felt like cooking was one of those skills that like, whether I was gonna take it as far as I could, it was like you said, in the beginning, it was important. Mm-hmm. And also I wanted to make cooking like cool, you know what I'm saying? Cause I felt like I was a known person like everybody else. Everything that people did, I did, but it's like, I just cook, you know what I'm saying? It's not something that you would think of that I do. And I think that was the biggest thing of like breaking down the stigma of, like, because I went to culinary school, like, I know it's not always accessible, but it's like there's people that didn't even go to school and that are way more successful, way more, way better clientele, and are doing so much more. So it's just like to empower people that, like, you know, just because there's no one in the space that you see, you can create that lane and you can create your own niche. So that's pretty much what I've done. That's pretty much what Amaranchi's done, where it's like instead of waiting for people to create the job or create this perfect opportunity. You just do it yourself.
2: For yeah. sure. Yeah. That's yeah. definitely, yeah. that's definitely what it is. And, you know, like you guys said, in the beginning, you wonder like, why would someone buy something, you know, from me when they can get the same thing from someone else? But it's like, you know, you got to figure out what it is about what you have that makes it different from someone else, you know? And I think like, once you figure out your niche market and you also figure out like, what exactly are you going to do with the product that makes it different, you know? Cause even with like our cookie business, for example, there's a ton of cookie businesses out there, but what makes ours different is that we play on nostalgic flavors. Like we make flavors that you can't get anywhere else. You know? So it's like, you, you have to figure out like what it is that makes your, um, whatever it is different. And I think like with your podcast, the fact that you do talk about, um, issues you know that affect us black people and in the way that you do like you said that's unapologetic and just being authentic that alone is something different because a lot of times people when they do talk about issues like it'll be one-sided or they're not really saying what they really think so you know just being someone who like says their true opinion and stands in what they say automatically makes people gravitate towards you you know
0: well I hope so Mm-hmm. <laughs> some days i just feel like is anybody listening yeah you know, I to say? yeah <laughs> <laughs> i hope so girl but mm-hmm. going back into um prosper um i wanted to shift in like kind of like how you shifted your business for the pandemic because I, I know you kind of spoke about it a little bit but yeah so how did that like i know like e-commerce essentially during the pandemic kind of boosted but right you know, a cooking business, or somebody who does, like,
1: private chef work, that kind of, like, pivoted to, yeah. to, to make food a Um, uh, I stopped feeling sorry for myself, I think, like, early on, because it was just, like, you know, like, to be real, true, like, um, I was, I was going to give up. Like, you know, like, it was going well, but then it's, like, you know, it has highs and lows, where you're, like, maybe I jumped into this too early, maybe I should put it on the back burner for a bit. And then I had just like got a job with like one of these like big time chef corporations, and I was like, maybe I'll just like you know take a couple months and take my time, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I'll get into it, back into it eventually. And then the pandemic hit, where it's like, okay, now you got no money. What what you gonna do? You know what I'm saying? Now you don't have a job. Now pe- people are hungry. Restaurants closing. What you gonna do? You know what I'm saying? You cook. You get, you talk all this stuff about. You want all this time. You want, you want to do this, want to do that. Now you have 24 hours a day and you have a kitchen and you have people that are hungry. And in the beginning, I was like, oh, you know, like, you know, everyone lost their job. I don't know if they could afford it. But I probably like made the most money, like, in like, most money, like, ever in that, like, short amount of time. Yeah.
0: That's you know because everybody.
1: Please, please. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> so it was, so. So I had to figure out how to like, so basically I transitioned from like, you hey guys, like, I'm still available to do dinners to like, I'm just going to put out food, the same food that I would put on a plate. I'm just going to put it inside a, re- a to go container. Mm-hmm. And then I just tried to like up the ante of like, you know, not making it look boring and like adding my own twist to it and basically making it look like still pretty, even though like because I felt like that's what people deserve. People deserve to have nice looking food and also have tasty food. Whether they were paying for the premium service and me cooking in the house or whether it was a delivery service. So I just like shifted and uh, there was a lot of trial and there. Once again, a lot of doing stuff wrong. <laughs> doing stuff wrong all the time.
0: What was the that you learned um, during that time
1: period? What was like, the biggest mistake you made and how did like, you learn from that? Uh, the biggest mistake I made was uh a lot time management and also um thinking about other people's budgets and not how much the service is worth you know i was like i was thinking about like oh like would i pay this much or can this person afford it but it's at the same time anything less i would i would start to get resentful for making it because it's like i'm doing all this work and they're getting it for such a cheap price. So that was the biggest thing is like, thinking about it from like, you know, I'm spending a year, I'm like, I'm making things easier for these people that I cook for. I literally, you're, for seven days of the week, you don't have to touch a pan because I'll make the food for you. And it's like, I should be like paid for that, you know? So I think that was the biggest thing of just like, um, not cheapening my value based on the situation of what's going on. That was the biggest thing. That was definitely the biggest thing that, like, um, I made a mistake in the beginning, but it's like, uh, yeah, cause like, you know, like, the thing about it is like, once things are cheap, no one's going to pay you more. No one's ever like, yeah, yeah no one's ever going to be like, oh, what do you mean it's only this much? It's a deal. They're going to, that's a steal. And then the thing about when you do stuff for cheap is, Like, one time this dude I cooked for, he was like, either you do it for full price or you do it for free. But you don't do it for cheap. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And if you do it for cheap, what are they going to tell the next person? Oh, I got it for this. And now you're in a cycle where you got six, seven, ten people that are all doing it for a discount rate. Mm -hmm. And you know that you should be getting paid more. And also, that's the hardest part. Because when you do things for cheap and then you want to raise the price, all of a sudden it's not worth
0: it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. One of the biggest things um, that caught my eye is um, when I lived in New York, which is not too long ago. But um, I recently got dreads done, and I paid her like three hundred dollars to do these dreads. This is the most yeah. thing I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. like before this for a long time, I would just do my own hair because yeah, um, All right. <laughs> who's three hundred dollars? What? But <laughs> her skill and how, like how she um, did the dreads was like way worth the money. Yeah. I, to this day, do not regret paying her the $300, even though $300 is like- Yeah. It's a lot, yeah. But anywho, um, one of the things she says is like, cause she was a nurse, she's Jamaican, she was a nurse by trade. And then like, she went, shifted into her business um, to do here. And she was just like, when it was cheaper, she had a lot more people complaining and a lot more people yeah. were saying like, this is not worth it, like it should be cheaper. But she was like, now prices are what they are. Listen, she books, she 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 sells out appointments for the whole month in like 10 minutes. When well, you have to be on the computer, like, <laughs> like, like breathing, like you can't breathe. You have to have yeah. your card information there or else you will not have your appointment for the following month. So like, yeah. now she does not have one complaining customer. Nobody is complaining about the price. Yeah. It was just like, once you value what it's worth, People exactly. will respect it. Like you won't have any complaints. And that's just exactly. what it is. So yeah, that's a lot, true. A lot of times when people complain about prices, it's like either you're gonna pay or you're not. Like
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, like, <laughs> I think we oh, yeah. times, like yeah. either you're gonna pay or you're not. Like <laughs> Yeah. That's the good thing though about like social about social media and the internet. It's like you can put out your product at the price and you don't have that like face to face like haggling that people do. Like you know, like me and Kim talk about all the time, like, you know, it's, it's very hard to convince people of prices and stuff in person, but if, you know, if they see it on the website, they know it is what it is, you know? Like, That's hard. You yeah. Like they crazy. are what they are. <laughs> and yeah, it's like going back to what both you guys said is like, if you stand in your prices and you're not wavering, then people will respect that. And especially if you also create a product where people can see the value and uh, the value of it, then people, you know, like people will gravitate towards something where they see the value in it. They see that, you know, you obviously put a lot into it. And I think also like consumers wanna know that, like if you're charging something, like they wanna know that like, you really, you know, you really made that the best it could be. You really put work into it, you know? Cause even with my brand, like, once i did my rebranding a couple months ago you know i had to all you know come out with all new prices and stuff and i feel like um a lot of like my og customers from the beginning like they um can see that like i've upgraded every aspect of the product so they realize like you know like i didn't just raise the prices and make the same stuff like i raised the prices and elevated every aspect like packaging labels ingredients so when people see that you put the the money back into stuff, you put the effort back into it, I feel like they respond well, you know? Even with Keon's business, like, people have seen, even with the private dinners, like, how he's um, elevated, every dinner he does, he elevates it more and more, and people see the value in, like, the services that he does with each time, you know?
0: Right, right, right. And I was going to say, like, I thought you were going to say, people complain. I was going to say, well, I can give it to you in the old ass bottle that <laughs> used to have <laughs> and if people you if, if people are complaining about
2: the nerves, I'll be like,
1: you could go pay hey, swamp at a time and and I've been there. I've 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 been there with people like I've gotten everything in the sun. Like I'll buy the food. What if like you do this? What if like you just you put it in the can but don't cook it? Like all these different things. <laughs> Yeah, like people just and like they, like the, think, what if you, what? like people will asked just to put like the raw like seasoned food in the container and they'll they'll cook it, they'll themselves. Cook
0: it themselves
1: like any any anything to like to haggle the price down but like anything like oh so let's say the service is like 150 dollars they're like what if I buy the food right and then it's like no and it's like what if you buy the food? And you just prepare it, but don't cook it. How much is it? like people are always gonna find a loophole to like <laughs> to, try, to, to try to do stuff, you know, and it's also just like um <laughs> it's it's just like you i think early in your business, I think you have to be okay with like the fact of like you don't gotta beg nobody. you know what I'm saying
2: like being okay is to say no.
1: Yeah, don't don't ever don't ever beg anybody because it's like because it's like you know it's like nobody haggles nobody at these restaurants nobody haggles at Target nobody out here oh dude, what y'all doing out here you know like nobody haggles nobody there everybody just pays their money and sees they have a coupon but if you do not have a coupon you know it's full price you can't talk to, to the person and be like you know you're right it is only worth three dollars like it's like the price is the price so I think. Um, like I said, like, yeah, like, online shopping, it just really cuts out the whole, like, well, I'll give you twenty for it. It's like, <laughs> that's not enough. Like, you know, like, you can put 20 on it, but you're not gonna get nothing. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's the biggest thing is just being like, just in your price. And also just like cutting out the hoopla of like, what your service is worth. Because also like, you can't ask me for something and then tell me what the you're gonna pay me. Right. You know, that's a, that's the biggest especially if it's a service or a good. Mm-hmm. It's like you you make it. It's like if you you make it. And it's like so Not to
0: just somebody go to Target and, and try to buy some chicken and be like, just give me the food, no packaging. <laughs> like,
1: yeah, like yeah, like what 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 if yeah, like what if i only take two chicken breasts
0: <laughs> and it's
1: like like but you can't open it because you know and like you know people would do anything you know like and also like i've watched a show like extreme and i've watched like people with food like however do anything i saw like a lady peel the banana to save the weight to save on the weight of the how much the banana would be you know i've had i've seen people Pull the grapes off the vine because they're not paying you. Can't eat the vine, so I'm not paying for the vine. So it's like people, and also you have to understand like people, broke people do broke things, and that's like that's the you know, and it's just like people are always gonna want to deal, you know what I'm saying? And you want people that understand your value and like will pay the price, you don't want people that'll tell you, Oh, well my homegirl does it, or, I, or my, oh, this is not enough. It's just like. Like, and it's also just like whenever someone presents you with an option of like, well, this person's doing it. It's like, then why Then go! Like, you got it. Like, you already know where to get it for cheaper. Like, you already know where to go to
0: get what you're asking for. So I don't understand why you're
1: here. And that's yeah. So like, like, yeah, yeah. Like we don't do like there's no price matching over here. Like it's like if they do it for that price, then you got a good deal.
2: <laughs> yeah. but you're right though like everything comes back to like your target audience like you know me and Kim were talking about the other day like you're if you are reaching your target audience you shouldn't have to convince them that like food is worth it to spend it on skincare is worth like they already think that you know the only thing you're convincing them is like which product to choose and stuff like that but like you know, when you're, when you have a target audience, you don't have to convince them that like podcasts are worth it. Like they already know podcasts are great, you know? And I think mm-hmm. a lot of times, like when you're starting out, like, you know, me and Kim both struggle with that, where we started out and we're kind of just like, we want everybody to be like interested in my what God. we do. And like, you know, like my, like when people ask who's your target, everybody, like, you know, <laughs> At my audience is everyone. This is like, no. Cause there's not, there's no product that you can market to everybody in the world. You know, you got to figure out who are your core people that already value the service that you provide and are seeking out the service you provide. Like, I feel like a lot of times, you know, it's an uphill battle when you try to market to too many people and you try to convince everybody that what you do is worth it. It's like, everyone has a target audience, you know? every product is marketed to some and not others. And just finding your, the people that value what you do is so important. And I feel like it takes away a lot of the like, you know, a lot of like the anxiety with business is just like, you know, are people gonna buy? Are people gonna be interested? And it's like, once you understand like who your core base of people are, then, you know, you don't have to feel that feeling of like, oh, like, is anybody going to be interested in what I do? Like, because you already know, like, okay, these are these are the people who are interested in me. And like Keon said, like, with what he does, it's mostly geared towards, like, you know, people on our age range who are entrepreneurs, who are um, podcasting, because they see the value in, like, another entrepreneur, you know, doing their business. Whereas, like, somebody who's like outside that demographic might not see the value of you know a meal service like that. And so yeah, it's all it is all about like finding the people who already value what you do. Um uh, makes things way easier, you know?
0: Yeah, definitely. Um so I want to get into your uh joint business together and kind of how like you guys birthed that and what is that like
1: uh I'll I'll go <laughs> So, um, uh, we're we're fat asses. So basically, like we <laughs> we we spend a lot of time baking, like at the at the house, like uh, you know, like spend a lot I of time baking.
2: Teaching him to bake,
1: right? Yeah, because like okay, like I feel like not a lot of people notice, but like I'm was on Food Network, and she was on a baking show, so. uh, yeah, so like I wanted to learn how to bake, because I was like, ah, you know, like, people, you know, restaurants open back up again, like, I die, right, let's pick up a new skill. I want to learn how to bake. Mm-hmm. And um we would see, like, a lot of, like, terrible cookies, like, on the internet, and we'd also see, like, a lot of cookies that we liked, and we would, like, the same thing, wish that these people would make these flavors, or we'd just be sitting there thinking, like, ooh, what if we made, like, Uh, a birthday cake cookie or what if we made like a white chocolate chip cookie or like what we made this and then um we just kept making more and more cookies and we kept eating them and we were just like this is good and then (laughs) and then we were like if these motherfuckers are paying this much we can get in the game too so it's like you know and uh also i just felt like it like because i'm Ranchi has like a retail business I just felt like it was a good way for me to get into the retail game as far as like something that I was passionate about, you know, cause I didn't want to sell ring lights and yoga mats. So I was just like, where else can I sell that like is enjoyable? And for me it was cookies. And because that was the only thing that I was proficient in making and I could make without her supervision. So, <laughs> it, so, <laughs> so it kind of turned into that. And, uh, It, you know, like, and it really just like flourished because it was just like, it was just so much, it was so much fun because I think sometimes when you like work on a business and you focus so much on trying to like make it work, um, sometimes you don't really get resentful, but you're just like, you get exhausted. You kind of get tapped out because you're like, you're trying everything. you, You have so many, like, you have so many jobs. You're the CEO of the company, the owner lead marketer, the talent, you know, so it was just like the baking thing for me was, I think for both of us, just something that was like, was really fun. And it didn't, wasn't, it took the pressure off of it. It was just like, it's, we make artisan cookies. You know what I'm saying? It's very straightforward. It's like no frills. It's very much like the only, the most, like, the most confusing and most stressful part about it is figuring out what flavor you want to make next because yeah. there's just so many, you know, and you want to do them all. But, um, so yeah, but that was pretty much what worked And We started off with one and then we started off with three and then we started making holiday ones. Then we just started throwing all types of shit in him and we were just like, this is an amazing time and I could do this for the rest of my life. <laughs> and, um, yeah. And also it's just like really easy. Like it was our first time doing business together. So like, I don't want to say I was, like, nervous, but, you know, like, I felt like, you know, we were so used to, like, doing our own thing and coming together for, like, to consult, and I guess none of us, we neither one of us really thought about, like, having a business together, but um, it was cool, you know what I'm saying? It was, it's been really, really fun, you know, it's like, it's really just, like, baking with your best friend, it really just is exactly like that, it's just, like, you bake cookies, and instead eat them, someone pays for them. You also eat them, but, like, Mostly, they get paid for
0: <laughs> So, I was wondering um, if if you guys just did cookies because it was, like, easier to ship. I don't even know if you guys ship them,
2: but, like, yeah. No, we uh, it would would do, say, for sure. Yeah, like, it, we were kind of thinking, like, what baked good we would do or, like, how we would set it up. And definitely, cookies were the easiest to ship and, like, the easiest to, like, keep fresh and stuff like that. Um, and it's like a portable thing. So we figured that that would work. So yeah, definitely for the fact that it's like very easy, everyone pretty much likes it and it stays fresh. Well, those all kind of just made it, we're like, okay, let's start with cookies. And yeah, I would say it kind of happened organically. Like we would be baking and stuff and just playing around with different things. And we just kind of thought of like nostalgic flavors of like, things that, you know, we grew up eating and like, if we can make it like an adult version and stuff like that. So yeah, we, we like, um, and I feel like it allows us to have our creativity kind of branch out. You know, we, we had like a eggnog, like snickered, like snickerdoodle, like we come up with some cool stuff. Um, and yeah, I feel like we kind of, Uh, we've made it kind of fused even with the private dinners too because we'll incorporate them in those. Um, So yeah, I feel like we make a good team and the fact that we both have like a culinary background helps. Like we both kind of have like a solid um, foundation of how to do different things. And yeah, we just, we work in sync, you know? Yeah,
0: definitely. So what show on Food Network were you on? So people can look at- Hey!
2: (laughs) So- (laughs) So the show was called Bake It Like Buddy. So it had like the cake boss on it. He was the judge. So basically we made a cake um, for him. And so it was um, like a cousin's episode. So I competed with my cousin. And um, yeah, it was a cool experience. Like I um, like to get on the show, I literally just applied online and Like a month later, I got a phone call. (laughs) I thought it was fake at first. I was like- I was like, what does that ever happen (laughs) to I got a voicemail, I was like, oh, um, we're from the network and we wanted to know if you want to do a show. I'm like, what show? (laughs) So once I realized it was real, (laughs) um, it was awesome. Like it was one of like the coolest experiences. Um, It was like, we shot for like two days, like 12, 14 hour days. Um, But it was just really fun, like, just learning, like, how TV shows are shot, and, like, they're shot, like, completely out of order, first off, like, they shoot it, like, out of inconvenience with, like, you know, the shooting, so, like, everything was shot out of order, and just, like, learning how, like, they do, like, how TV shows are shot, Um, and basically, that was a baking competition, making cakes, so me and my cousin, we made, like, a sports theme cake, and we um, made, like, a churro cake. That was really good. And, yeah, like, Buddy, like, judged it and everything. And it was actually, like, a really funny episode. <clears throat> <laughs> it's, like, the first season, and we're, do, we're, like, the sports theme episode, which I think is episode 21.
0: Okay. But did you win,
2: though? Was, was I did not to- win. Oh, okay. <laughs> we didn't win um, – we like the other team's cake was like like super extravagant. Our cake was not, um, but we did win for the flavor. Like, buddy, was like it probably
0: because flavor.
2: Like our cake was leaning, but he was like, "It's leaning because it's so moist." I was like, "Exactly." <laughs> no so, i feel like it's always an issue
0: on baking shows i have an obsession with cooking shows i probably watch every episode of chopped twice <laughs> and i don't think like i've watched the vacant buddy like buddy show yeah because i'm tired i was tired of watching him because i watched like all of his yeah his other shows <laughs> <old> show. so <laughs> yeah. but yeah like i feel like most of the times on baking shows it's just like the most extravagant looking cake Will not taste good like what did
2: you even yeah <laughs> yeah even with our episode that's what it was like we um so when we made the cake um basically the way they did the show was we had made the cakes at home and then we brought them to the set and then we did the decorating there so the other team like they made their cake it looks super amazing but they like made their cakes really dry. Like, so even when Buddy tried it, he was like, you know, it's a little dry. <laughs> <laughs> so our cake was leaning over and all this stuff, <laughs> but it was cause it was like really moist. Like when I was making them at home, I was like making it extra moist for Buddy, you know?
0: <laughs> extra butter so, just for him.
2: <laughs> exactly. So. Um, it was like a really cool experience. I'll definitely say the episode because it's really hilarious. Like even Kion will tell you, like it's so funny. Like, you know, and it's just interesting seeing like, you know, how the editing is and stuff. Um, but it was it was a fun experience. Like the episode's funny as hell to me. Like, um, and yeah. So that definitely like I'm I'm definitely into cakes, and then now with Kion, like we're into cookies. So um, yeah, that's like the other thing that I do is like baking and making cakes and stuff. So yeah, definitely the flavor, any cake I make, the flavor's on point. You know, decorating, I don't know, but the flavor's <laughs> but on that's point. that's what matters. Just make it taste. Exactly. Good. I feel like with dessert, that's what matters. Like
0: I, exactly. I personally don't care like if my chocolate cake is like not beautiful. Yeah, um, but if it tastes so, good. Exactly. Exactly, that I can promise, it'll taste um, delicious. But lastly, I wanna get into like, what's the future of you guys' brands, um, individually and collectively? Are there new brands? Like Michelle? Let it all out here, air it out
2: You're good, you already knew that we have other stuff in the works. Exactly, I just know. Uh,
1: yeah, I guess I'll, I'll go first. Uh, yeah, the future of, like, Prosper Kitchen is definitely, um, like, working with, like, higher clientele, working with, like, more athletes and, uh, like, more celebrities and just trying to, like, uh, just do more, like, intimate dinners and just uh, work with more Black uh, entrepreneurs and more podcasters that are up and coming. Um, yeah, that's pretty much the future. As far as, like, the joint business, as far as the cookie business, to be honest with you, like... If I could do a cookie business full-time, I would. Like, like, the baking aspect of its it's, like, it's so enjoyable. I mean, it, it, they're both extremely, like, time-consuming, and they take a lot of work. But, like, it's so rewarding because it's cookies. Yeah. You know, like, making action. cookies all day. Yeah, making cookies all day and cooking all day. Because the reality is, is, like, when I would cook, I really wouldn't eat a lot because it's, like, you know, like, everything's like down to like all right like i made just enough because for these people but like cookies always extra there's always extra cookies (laughs) always extra cookies so and also i just think it's um it just fits me personally because i think um i'm just like extremely patient. so like baking has really just been really cool for me because uh it really is like a labor of love because it's like you really have to be so attentive and take your time and like when you rush it you can do it but you're definitely going to get a rush product so for me um that's what the future of these two businesses are is um for them cookies to be like a worldwide cookie brand that's up there with like magnolias and uh, dominiques mm-hmm. and for prosper kitchen to be a premier uh, um like beverage and food company that uh people use for dining experiences,
0: will there be a Hennessy cookie? No. <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey, we can we can do a little something with it.
1: That's <laughs> <So> disgusting.
2: <laughs> Hennessy so. Nah, nah. <laughs> we can make it happen. We can do. We can do no, it. No, we can. Happen.
1: We can do it.
2: Um, and it's interesting
0: when you said baking takes patience because I realize now why I do not bake. <laughs>
1: most, most people don't it takes too long especially from scratch it takes a minute it especially like when I realized that you couldn't like yeah. bruh like I I when I first made cookies I was like oh bet like we could just bloop right on the pan we we live like cookies in 20 minutes right the first time we made cookies she was like oh we gotta let them sit overnight <laughs> what do you <laughs> Why don't we start this today? You're like, know. yeah, that, 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 you got to let the the flavors marinate. I'm like,
2: yeah. These 24 hour cookies. I was like, we could just boil them at this point. you were like, I was expecting it could be tonight. This is yeah, exactly. yeah. Not me. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, just three days from now. <laughs> what are you doing Friday? We can eat them Friday. <laughs> that's crazy mm-hmm. but
0: um, moving into Niger butters what's the future for Niger butters do you want to add anything onto the lines that you have in collections or um,
2: like- <laughs> definitely so the future for Niger butters um, especially this year it's really expanding um, you know from a business to a brand. So um, the rebranding of Nigel Butters um, is going to be like an ongoing thing throughout the year, expanding with new products and expanding with better promotion and marketing. Um, I feel like, uh, you know, when you start out, it's a business. And then once you kind of realize your target audience, you realize your packaging product, then it becomes a brand. So that's the goal for this year is like the year of branding and marketing and, just really um, creating the best possible marketing um that fits the luxury you know vibe of the of the of the skincare brand so that and then definitely expanding to be in retail stores that's another goal that I have for Nigel Butters like just so that it's super accessible for people to get and you know I mean I would love to see Nigel Butters like in Sephora and Target like people just yeah like you know, like the luxury brand, like, I feel like would look great there. So, um, definitely expanding to being in retail stores and expanding products. Um, I plan on eventually by the end of the year, rebranding, like all the body care products to be kind of more at the advanced level as the face products and just expanding to more products for different skin tones, you know, more variety of different category products, more variety of cleansers, moisturizers, um, so that people really have a choice and people can find like a lot of different products that they're looking for. And you know, kind of a one stop shop type thing. So yeah, definitely trying to expand it to be a full, you know, global business. And yeah, right now the brand um and since I started is a worldwide brand, like I'll, if you have an address, I'll ship to you anywhere in the world. Like <laughs> So <laughs> just expanding to that more, you know, um, expanding to other countries I haven't shipped to yet and things like that um, is really exciting. So yeah, you can definitely expect to see like um, more products coming this year, more marketing and um, retail stores. Um, and then For the cookie business, like Kion said, yeah, definitely we want to take it to a global level and we want to take it to just being more of an expanded brand and even like the way we sell our cookies in different ways. And then the fitness brand, I'm actually working on rebranding as well. And (laughs) (laughs) he's excited. (laughs) So the fitness brand is actually um, also goes into my new business that I'm working on. Um, you yeah, knew there was and, a new business. I
0: knew it. I knew yeah, it. I was gonna
2: say. I was like, "You're good." Like you already knew. <laughs> I feel like me and Keona are like serial like business owners. Like we're always like That's something going on. <laughs> from the very beginning, I knew exactly. So I'm working on my next business, which is a swimsuit line. Yes, uh, all I feel handmade, like that's so fitting to your brand too. Yeah, that's how I feel. i feel like, I feel like this goes with everything, even <laughs> the city. Oh yeah, he's excited. Been, like you, I've right. been
1: trying to turn into an IG baddie since I met like her. <laughs>
2: his his uh, dreams are coming true. <laughs> so um, yeah, I feel like it goes on par with the branding for the skincare and fitness. Um, so yeah, I'm working on a swimsuit, a luxury swimsuit line that will be launching next year. Um, yeah. I have so, to go this summer. I, I know. Unless, <laughs> unless maybe I can finesse it, get it late <laughs> summer. We'll see, you know, <laughs> but, um, yeah, like I'm learning all the aspects of the business. Like the big thing with me is like any business that I do. Like I really take pride in learning the business and like actually being able to make the stuff, like skincare, like every single product I formulated, created, researched, and same thing with the swims, with the swimsuit line. Like I've taught myself to sew and I'm learning how to sew like custom swimwear. I'm learning how to sew with different fabric. So it's really exciting, um, you know, it's something so new for me. And I feel like it gives me like another cool, like hobby that I'm working on. So yeah, you can definitely expect a luxury swim care line. And really the goal is to like, kind of combine like all the different businesses I do into one like, you know, self care, mind, body, soul type thing. So I'm excited. Um, And Keon's obviously very excited. (laughs) He's like, yeah, he you guys, definitely you
0: guys, you guys won't see this, but he's been very expressive about the swimsuit. Swimwear, swimwear. <laughs> <laughs> like, he might even be more excited about the swimsuit swimwear line than the
2: cookies, honestly. Yeah, He's very
0: definitely, definitely. He just definitely. Made
2: the prototype swimwear that I've been swimsuits that I've been making. He actually bought me my sewing machine. Um, which is really exciting because, um, yeah, prior to this, I never worked with a sewing machine before, and now I've been able to teach myself how to make stuff. So he's he's been um, what what do we call you, my creative director?
1: <laughs> I do it, I do it all.
2: He gets to see the prototypes, and you know, we get to we get to go over like the the cut and the fabric.
1: <laughs> Let's just be honest. I'm a I'm a visionary. Let's just be honest. I'm a visionary, a uh, creative director. Uh, you know like uh, same thing. I'm watching. Like she bought me a camera because like um, the one thing that we both wanted to do is we wanted we I guess it's kind of like a the same thing she said is like a serial business owner. You want to know how to do everything. So it's like for us, um, you know, she got herself shot professionally, and we just thought like we could do this. That's every conversation we have as far as like starting a new business or looking at something is we could do this. And then we like actively try to like figure out how to do it, the research. So like the same thing with like the skincare line and the swimwear line, um, I'm like learning more about cameras so I can like do the photography for it and like transition that into like food photography. Because the thing about it is like the one thing that like, I learned in school and it was like a, it's a mantra that stuck with me for so long and it's like if you can only do one thing you're only going to paid for one thing. And that was the biggest thing where it was just like, you know, you just wanted to have like instead of like putting all your eggs in one basket, just try to like get small bags here, small bag doing fitness, small bag doing skincare, small bag doing bikinis and that creates one large bag, you know, so it's like and also it just gives you so many different avenues to be creative and so so the same thing for the swimwear thing is definitely her thing and uh being able to be the creative director that i am i get to shoot it so um, i get to live out my america's next top model fantasy of uh shooting this whole entire swim line
2: It's very excited as you can tell, <laughs> but I'm excited too. It's, it's going to be really cool. And it's definitely going to be, um, something that mends with all the other businesses that I do. And yeah, I just feel like, um, it's going to be really cool because the, all the fabrics and the tones are going to look amazing on black skin. Like that's my biggest thing is just like really complementary colors, fabrics, cuts. So I'm excited because it's really going to um, highlight like black beauty and um you know skin tones and curves and everything so i'm excited
0: yes definitely and something you mentioned is like you're sewing like every single like bikini or exactly yeah I'm, I'm assuming because keona decided like there's no one pieces so
2: uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's all two pieces you know so <laughs> yeah hes he's seen a couple prototypes. that I've been working on (laughs) um
0: but they're also handmade so they're luxury all handmade
2: exactly
0: so that's that's
2: that's different yeah so it's gonna be really cool um like the packaging is gonna be on 10 like everything is really gonna be like um really well executed so yeah I'm excited to bring it to everyone and I feel like it really does go with um the luxury self-care that um I really want, you know, us Black people to be in. So I'm excited.
0: Yes. So um, lastly, I want you guys to, like, shout out all the Instagrams for all of your businesses. Um, I, I probably don't remember all of them, so I just want you to do them <laughs> so that you guys can, you know, give them all the information they need to go
1: purchase. Yeah, for sure. Of course. Um, so I'll go first. So my uh, Instagram um, for my chef, private chef businesses, uh, Chef Prosper God. Uh, uh, Prosper God is spelled P-R-O-S, P-R-G-A-W-D, and the skin the cookie business is uh Dem Cookies Bake Shop. Um, you can order them on www. Uh, Prosper God uh, Prosper and uh, just go to the shop page, and we deliver all over the nation. So yeah, just let, let us.
2: Yes, and um, so for me, for the skincare line, it's Nigel Butters, spelled N-A-I-J-A-B-U-T-T-E-R-S. And that's across all social media, is Nigel Butters. And we do ship worldwide, so any address we will ship to. Um, you can find us online at, at Nigel Butters as well. And for my personal page, is Jalaf Booty. And my... <laughs> my <laughs> my um fitness page is Amarashi thick and yeah the swimsuit line will be coming soon um but yeah definitely follow us online to keep up to date on all of our business adventures and you know shenanigans yeah exactly our shenanigans <laughs> exactly um so and you know you guys to
0: definitely follow because they're Aspects of their businesses for everything that you need, you know, Prosper Kitchen, gonna get you fat cookies, food, all that good stuff. (laughs) And then you got Amarachi Thick, your Mm -hmm. workout guides, that's (laughs) it, it's natural the summer. And then she's gonna hook you up with the bikinis and Mm -hmm. she's gonna get your skin right. So, yeah, it's only natural that you just it's a one stop shop for all the business, exactly. Um. So be sure to follow them on all their platforms and also follow the podcast at Adulting with Wine on Instagram. And we'll catch you on the next feature for Black Business Month. Bye. I didn't think that I would have to spell it out.